The scripture reading this morning will become, come from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. That's on page 1040 of the Pew Bibles there in front of you. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of that stature, stature of the fullness of Christ. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. And if you're visiting with us again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It's a wonderful time in the life of the Mount Juliet congregation. Uh, Since we have one service on Sunday evenings, the elders have chosen to use that time as a time to uh, introduce and bring on our new, uh, our men that will serve additional uh, as additional deacons along with other men that will continue serving as deacons. And we're thankful for those men. We're thankful for all that have served in that capacity the last two years. We're thankful for those that are going to continue serving over the next two years and those guy, the guys that are coming on new this year. Be prayerful for them, for their families, and for us as a life, uh, the whole congregation. On the screen, you see four pictures. What do these four pictures have in common? When we think about a passenger train in a commercial airline and we think about a city bus and Adolf Hitler, what do those four things have in common? All four of those moved or have moved people. You see, when we think about leadership, one of the things that is important for us to understand is that God is the one who designed leadership. So we're not talking about individuals that just happen to be perhaps a little bit stronger in organizational skills or persuasion skills, and they deem themselves to be leaders. It's not that at all. God is the one who designed leadership. Romans 13, chapter, God is the one that ordained governments. When we look at the design of the home, God is the one who set the the husbands as head of the home. When we look at the design of the church, God is the one who has established Christ as head of the church and elders that serve over each individual congregation. Friends, God is the one who has designed leadership. Now, as we consider leadership, we think about, well, what did God design leaders to do? God designed leaders to be a blessing to the people that they lead. God designed leaders to move people to a better place tomorrow than what they are today. God designed leaders to move people. When we think of the opportunity that God gives leaders, we must realize that just with any opportunity and skill, a talent, it can be misused or it can be used to God's blessing. You see, that's why when we think about Adolf Hitler, he is an example of leadership, but he used his leadership in the most horrific, terrible way. You know that on the screen right now, we could place pictures that would be totally gross. Obviously, I chose not to do that. But when we think about his view 
toward the Jews. It does not surprise me at all that one man would feel the way he felt toward a race or nationality of people. There have been many people who have lived that are prejudiced, that hate, that are violent, that are disturbed individuals. You see, for one individual to be that way, I don't think would surprise any of us here today. But I have to tell you, it amazes me today to consider that a man with his belief system, with his value system, could lead an entire nation to follow his system. But friends, that's what leaders do. Leaders move people from A to B. Leaders move people in the direction they think and the values that they have towards the destination that they believe is a worthy destination. Last fall, 15 students from Vanderbilt University went to Washington, D.C. to the Holocaust Memorial Museum. While they were there, there was one particular exhibit that the students said stood out the most to them. It was this exhibit of thousands and thousands pairs of shoes that were collected from a concentration camp in Poland. And one of the girls said, it was obvious when you looked through the shoes and you could see that many were, were like strapless evening attire for women. It was obvious they had no idea where they were going. And then to think that all of those shoes represented lives that Hitler believed were less than human. How did he move a nation to believe that they were less than human? His propaganda, his promise of material benefits, because after all, after World War I, Germany was pretty much destitute in many ways. And so he had a systematic way of looting that would reward those that followed him. The lies that he would tell and the fear that he would instill in the people. All of these are just a few of the many ways that he used to lead people. But friends, we use that simply as an example to show the power of leadership. And isn't it wonderful to know that there are so many throughout history that have been just as effective, even more effective, to lead people in a righteous direction. When we consider just a few of them, I'd like for you to consider this fact. God gave them the opportunity to lead. Right now in our daily Bible reading, we've been studying Moses. It's obvious that God gave him the opportunity to lead the people. You remember recently we read about Joseph. It's obvious that God gave Joseph the opportunity to lead, taking him, him out of a pit of slavery to the second in command in Pharaoh's order of command. It's obvious that he gave David the opportunity to leave, literally pulling him out of a shepherd's field and placing him into a kingdom. And he, because of the man and the loyalty that he had for God, was a tremendous king. Or when we think about Peter, a man that was literally taken from the boats of fishing to being a leader as the day the church was established in Acts, the second chapter. When we look at the lives of these individuals and we read their stories, it's obvious that God was the one who gave them the opportunity to lead. Now please notice this 
subpoint with this. God also gave them to the people they lead. Did you hear that? God gave them the opportunity to lead. God gave them to the people they lead. I hope by the time we finish studying the Scriptures this morning that those two simple facts will will ring very loud and clear in our minds because we can't truly be the leaders we need to be or we can't respect and grow in the following of leaders unless we understand God's plan and all of this. Christ is the one who gave us leadership. As we think about this, I want to remind you, as we've been doing each week, of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 16. Remember at the end of verse 16, it says, causes growth of the body. We've been looking at 16 verses, and what is it that God says causes growth of the body? The first week in looking at this chapter, we looked at the humble attitude that can cause growth in the body. Last week, we looked at the fact that the right teaching can cause growth in the body. But it's interesting now to look as he talks about the right kind of leaders can cause growth in the body. In the future, and it may be a little bit into the future because in February we're probably going to look at some relationships in the scriptures. But we will come back and we'll look at the maturity and the servanthood that is involved in helping the church or causing growth in the body. As we think about this, I'd like for you to go back to the text that was read this morning. And I'd like for you to go back one verse before that. If you have your Bible open or it's here on the screen, we're going to look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We've already had capably read for us verse 11. Notice verse 10, though, because this is significant to see how Christ is involved in this. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, what do you think might be some of the things that Jesus was going to fulfill when he came down to this earth and then ascended back into heaven? Well, he tells us in the very next verse one of the things that he was going to fulfill. Verse 11, and he himself, the emphasis there, Jesus Christ, he himself gave, they didn't go out and create this on their own, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Friends, when we consider the leaders in the church, it's interesting that Paul makes this point very, very clear. He says Jesus Christ came to this earth to fulfill things. Things like making sure the church had the right leadership the day that it was established. Many times we call the last three years of Jesus' life on this earth His public ministry. You know what would be just as accurate? To describe it as His mentoring of the twelve. When we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're in the middle of Matthew right now, you notice how many times the Scripture speaks of Jesus and the apostles together. What was Jesus doing? He was giving them leadership training. You see, once he would die, three days later he'd be resurrected. Forty days after his death, he would ascend into heaven. Now note this, ten days after his ascension into heaven would be the beginning of the church. If Jesus is in heaven, who's going to be there to establish the church? It's going to be those twelve leaders that he's been working with for a few years now because he gave some 
the opportunity and the capability to be apostles. There were a lot of disciples there, but he chose 12 to be apostles. He chose others to be apostles, uh, to be prophets. There was not a written word at this time. And so how were they going to stand on and, and have a message from the word of God if the New Testament had not been written? That's where the prophets were brought in. They could give a message that God would miraculously give to them. You see, there seems to be two groupings here of leadership. The first two that we've just looked at, that of apostles and that of prophets, dealt with the infant church. The miraculous was involved to help the church be established with their leadership gifts. But notice the others are not miraculous. This is way, the way the church has been led ever since that time. And that is that there have been evangelists that can take the written word and preach. You see, they don't have a miraculous message that's given to them because now the word is complete. But also we have, instead of the apostles, you remember when Paul in Acts the 14th chapter was returning from his first missionary journey, he appointed elders in every congregation. And we see from that point on less emphasis on the apostles and more emphasis on a maturing church that would be led by elders. Notice, God gave each of these individuals that serve in these capacities the opportunity to be leaders. There are three places in the Scriptures where much is said about God giving the opportunity of ministries and leadership. I'd like for us to look at two others quickly, if you will. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter is one of those chapters that is just wonderful to study because it seems to cover almost everything A to Z in the life of a Christian. He begins with the first couple of verses talking about us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice and not to be shaped by the world, but be transformed the body of Jesus Christ or the image of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 3, he talks about humility. Let's not think of ourselves too highly. And that is a very intentional introduction to these verses that we're about to read. Because leaders... Or no matter what your ability or gift that God has given you, we should never think of ourselves because of our ability more uh, important or greater than anybody else that's using the ability that God has given them. And so notice this as we begin reading in verse 4 as he says, For as we have many members in one body, that's many of us members in the one church, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. We all have different gifts that's been given to us. We have not been given the same gift. Not everybody's going to be a leader. You know why? God planned it that way. Even the various leaders will not all have the same strengths, the same abilities, or even the same responsibilities. Why? Because God planned it that way. Well, what are we to do? Everyone here this morning has a gift that God has given you. What does God want us to do with it? Use them. How are we going to use them? He mentions a a few gifts in this passage. He mentions prophecy at the end of verse 6. Ministry in verse 7, to use it ministering. Those who teach and teaching. Look at verse 8. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. Here it is. He who leads 
with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So of all these gifts, he mentions the one that we're studying this morning. And that is the gift of leadership. God gives some that gift. What are we to do with that gift? The word diligence comes from the root of two teachings. One is if we are diligent about something, it is a high priority in our life. Number two, if we are diligent about something, we are willing to give great effort or labor to be involved in that activity. So the Lord says, I've given some to be leaders. I want them to take that opportunity and that ability that I've given them and I want them to place that as a high priority in their life. And I want them to be willing to invest their life, their effort, their energy, their heart to make that so. Now notice, as we go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, he gives us further insight that is so helpful as we study this topic. As we turn there, I want to remind you that this is the chapter that many of us know so very well because we know this to be the passage where in the middle part of the chapter, toward the end of the chapter, it speaks about the church being like a physical body. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot, not everybody is an ear or a nose or a mouth, but we each have our part. And if everybody does their share, the body functions to its greatest potential. But if some members will not do their share, then the work of the Lord is handicapped. Now what if I ask you off the top of your mind, what is the introduction to that teaching? Would you remember this introduction coming out of verse 4 and following that is so powerful? Look if you will in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. You hear what Paul is teaching? I've given some to be leaders. I've given some to be followers. But even some leaders, I've given diversities of gifts among them. And even among the followers, I've given diversities of gifts. In other words, if my idea of a faithful Christian, a serving faithful Christian is, you ought to look just like me. I've misunderstood faithful Christian service. Friends, others aren't going to have the same gifts you have. They're not going to have the same opportunities you have. They're not going to have the same abilities you have. And so if my idea is everybody ought to serve exactly the way I serve, I'm not learning from the Scriptures. Notice the next thing in verse 5. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He says, listen, and notice how he mentioned each one of the Godhead, the Spirit, the Lord, and the Father. You see, he's showing how there's one of each one of them. And then he's emphasizing the fact that there are diversities of gifts. There's diversity of ministries. There's diversity of activities. But they all come from one Godhead. Now, let's take all this diversity 
whatever ministry God has given you the ability to serve in, you serve in your area, in other words, your activities in that area, and just make sure that you're always doing it. And here's the motive. For the profit of all. Something is wrong when someone, whether it's a leader or a follower, wants to be involved in a certain ministry because it's going to make me look good. It's going to place me in the eyes of a lot of people. I'm going to get a lot of notoriety if if I do this. Listen, leadership or fellowship is never designed by God to be something that blesses one. It is to bless all. See there the word profit all. It's to be beneficial. It's to be to the gain. It's to be the advantage of all. Many ministries. Who gave many ministries? Notice there in the text, it's the Lord who gave many ministries. There is nothing wrong with a ministry having its main focus and saying in our ministry what we strive to accomplish is taking care of orphans. That's fine. And we might say, you know, we don't want to lose focus of what our main ministry is in this ministry. Friends, there's a difference in talking about the focus of a ministry and the difference in talking about the focus of the church. Recently, we've heard a man, some of us, have heard a man speak that we love and respect very much who spoke about the fact of not allowing the tail to wag the dog. He used that expression speaking about a particular ministry. But I want you to note from the Scriptures, not from David Shannon, from the Scriptures. If my mindset is that in the church there's one ministry that is the dog, and every other ministry is the tail, I don't get that from the Scriptures. Every ministry the Lord gives in His Scriptures is of ultimate importance, and every ministry has its place. And every ministry will not be done by everyone, but every ministry needs to be taking place at the same time. And one that is involved in World Bible School that's teaching the gospel cannot say, my ministry is king, it's the dog, and everybody else is the tail because I'm a part of teaching and I'm more important than anyone else. And God would say, absolutely not. Taking care of widows is just as important as teaching the gospel. Serving orphans is just as important as as, uh, going into mission fields. Building up the local church body is just as important as going around the world. Friends, the whole purpose, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 was written, was because one that had the ability to speak in tongues thought that they were so much more important than the others that could prophesy. And we have teachings like we're studying this morning that says, get it right. Because this is so important. Get it right. There's not a ministry that stands out as the dog and everything else is the tail. The Lord's church, everything that the Lord has laid out, He said, there are many ministries. 
And there's one Lord that gave all of those ministries. You see, as long as we're doing what the Lord says, we're part of ministry that's the main ministry. Now, I do need to get this. If I want to be involved in a ministry that the Lord has not given, that would become the tale. I have no authority for that. What is all of this leadership supposed to accomplish? Drop back, if you would, to our text in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'd like for you to notice this last part of the text as we go into verse 12 and 13. Notice in verse 11... We're learning the fact that that leadership moves people. And notice what these leaders are to do. In verse 11, it talks about the leaders and closes with a a comma. We're not breaking the thought here. He's talking about what these leaders are to do. And notice the word F-O-R, for. What are these leaders to do? They're for the equipping of what? Leaders? No, they're for the equipping of saints. For the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What are leaders to do? Leaders don't become leaders so that they can hold a position. Leaders don't become leaders so that everybody can honor them. Leaders become leaders because they believe that they can help people move from point A to point B. They become leaders because they believe that they can help equip people with the learning of the Scriptures. They believe they can help equip people that learn the Scriptures. Because Ask yourself this question. Has God ever wanted us to learn the Scriptures so that we can win a Bible game of Trivia Pursuit? Does He want us to learn the Scriptures so that we can brag about the fact of, look how much Bible I know. How many of us have even moved a little bit into that? Now, I'm not saying intentionally, but we'll say, oh, have you met so-and-so? He can quote the entire New Testament. He's really a great Christian. Friends, do you realize you can be an atheist and quote the New Testament? And I'm not against memorization or learning the Scriptures. What I'm saying is the Lord always uses learning the Scriptures as a tool for us to better serve in the kingdom. And so I have to ask myself as a leader, am I helping people learn the Scriptures so that they are better equipped to serve in the kingdom? Am I, as a leader, learning the Scriptures so I can better serve in the kingdom? Why? Whether we're followers or leaders, we're all on a spiritual journey. We're moving from point A to where we are today to point B where we want to be tomorrow and next year in our spiritual growth. We're moving from point A where we are today on earth to point B, heaven, when our life is over. Leaders are responsible to help people learn the Scriptures so that they can use the Scriptures as a tool in their life to serve God through ministry. Why? Notice the end of this verse. For the edifying of the body of Christ. It's all about building up the body of Christ. How many of us are reading through the Bible this year? It's so encouraging. And and if you haven't been on board yet or you've gotten behind, we're starting in Exodus right now. Go ahead and jump in where we are. Don't worry about catching up. Jump in where you are this week. Start reading in Exodus. And as we think about reading through the Scriptures, we have to stop and ask ourselves this. Do I want to read the Scriptures this year just so I can say on December 31st, hey, I did it. Everybody looking? I read the whole thing. Is somebody going to applaud? I've got to be a better Christian now because, after all, I've read the whole thing. No. 
There's nothing about reading the whole thing that's going to make you and I any closer to God unless we read every day saying, what am I going to learn from this that's going to help me be a servant for God? Leaders are supposed to help us do that. But individuals have to take the responsibility to say, I can do that. Now, please note what we're striving to grow into. When we read verse 13, and we're moving it toward a close here, look at 13. Again, we're just a comma at the end of 12. So leaders are helping everyone move in this direction. And what direction is that? This is the B in 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, we want to especially concentrate on these last two phrases. To a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, I don't think in this particular uh, setting here there's any reason to translate that complete man or full-grown man or mature man. I believe that, that, that it ought to be left as it is here in the New King James, that we are striving to grow into a perfect man. Why? Because he says here the example of the perfect man that he has in mind. Notice again at the end of 13. That perfect man is the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. I've shared with you before, but I I just can't help but think about this when I study passages like this. As a little kid, dad would come in from work and and some afternoons we would walk. The cows were checked every afternoon. Sometimes by myself, sometimes by himself. But a lot of times we'd walk together when I was real young. And certain times we'd walk beside each other, but certain times because of the path or crossing a creek, we'd walk behind each other. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, day after day after day, when I walked behind my father, I would stretch to make sure that just as he lifted his foot, my foot would be in his print, and I would stretch to the next print. And I would walk, just walking like this, trying to keep up with that. And I'd go all the way across, however long I was following right behind him. I had the idea I wanted to be like Dad. I had the idea I wanted to grow into a man like him. And you know, when, when you're 11 or 12, or you come up and you say, Hey, Dad, and you're up to his shoulder, and you say, I'm almost getting as tall as you. And you know, then you get a little older, and, and, and you're about here, and, Hey, Dad, I can almost look you in the eye. And, and maybe if, if you, you had the blessing of, of a father in your life and you had the blessing of, of maybe growing to the height of your father or even taller, maybe you remember walking up saying, Dad, let's measure. Ha, ah, I'm taller than you today. What are we moving toward? Jesus said, I'm giving leaders the opportunity to lead. I'm giving the leaders... Verse 12, to the people. So the people will have leaders that are helping them grow into the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Godly leaders are leading godly people that don't compare themselves to each other to see how we're doing. We compare ourselves to Jesus Godly deacons don't compare their ministry to another ministry to see how they're doing. They compare their leadership to Jesus. Godly congregations don't look down the road this way and down the road this way and say, we must be doing pretty good as a congregation. Godly congregations look and say, we're not there yet. We're on our way from A to B. We want to be perfect. We want to be in the image of Jesus Christ. We're working on it. 
I close by reading with you and to you this morning one of the greatest leaders that walked the face of this earth, not as great as Jesus Christ, but one of the greatest leaders. And I'd like for you to notice what he said in Philippians 3. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. See how he uses that same word? He's not already perfect yet. But Paul, what are you doing? He says, I'm at A and I'm moving to B. I press on that I may lay hold of that which Jesus Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. What's the goal? It's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave leaders to move people to grow into His image. If He's given you the opportunity to lead, that's our task. People movers into the image of Christ. You and I as followers... He's given us the task to benefit from the leadership that is around us to move into His image. There have been terrible things done in our history of mankind by terrible leaders. There's been awesome and wonderful things done in the history of mankind with great leaders. Let's pray for our leaders and let's make sure that we support the growth of the kingdom by the gift that God has given us of leadership. He leads me. Can you say that this morning? Can you honestly say with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, He leads me. He leads me at work. He leads me in my home. He leads me on vacation. He leads me on trips. He leads me in my day-to-day life. He leads me in the community. Can I say He leads me? We extend His invitation, the opportunity to become a child of God, adopted into His family. If you're a believer that's willing to repent of sins and confess before men, won't you be baptized into Christ to allow Him to lead you this morning? Maybe you've done that and somewhere along the way, He's not leading you right now and you want to repent of that and come back and confess sin and pray forgiveness. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.